0: Hello and welcome to that Greaves and Rooney Sports Podcast. I'm Dan Greaves. I'm Martin Rooney. And thank you so much for all the nice reviews and comments from our last two podcasts. And today we're going to talk about... Uh, We're going to talk about training, so let's get in. Rooney now kicks away. Commonwealth champion for Discus Dan. Rooney gets the gold. medal at the last four Paralympic Games. Martin
1: Rooney ran a great race in lane one. Great character. Well
0: done, Dan Greaves. Hello and welcome to that Greaves and Rooney Sports Podcast. I'm Dan Greaves. I'm Martin Rooney. If you're new and haven't already listened to the first two episodes, welcome. If you're a regular, then settle in to our dog sit tones for the next hour or so, because we're going to be chatting all things.
1: Uh, today, this this podcast, we're going to be talking about training. Um, the ins and outs of trainings, uh, the up and down, the, the normal routines that we go through, the things that... Um, get us going, things that wind us up, Um and sorry if we mention your name and if you wind us up.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, we could be here talking for a long, long time, there's so many aspects that we could be talking about, Um so we're going to pick out probably the most important ones and, and how we do them well, um and and really what makes us tick throughout the day.
1: Well, we're we starting off, with? should we start from the very beginning of the day? Yeah, let's start at the start. When we're woken up by our kids. <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. What time did you wake up this morning?
1: Do you know what? Uh, my car alarm went off at whatever time last night. Someone must have tried to get into my car because we were in the rough streets of Loughborough. Um, <laughs> and Kate was like, it's your car. I was like, I don't have a car. It's your car. I don't have a car. I don't. Car. And I just literally said it to her five times, I don't have a car. But that must have been about two o'clock. And then I slept straight through till, funnily enough, the night that Kida sleeps through all the way till six o'clock. We slept through till six. It was great. Wow. So, yes. other than the car alarm, it was a good night's sleep.
0: That's a good, yeah. That's a good, good luxury, isn't it? I think oh, you, take them.
1: you know how it is when, especially now it's summertime, um, the light comes in the windows and kids up at five. She's like, right, I'm up. Let's go play. I'm like, no, nah, no chance. Go back to bed. Yeah, but you can this, see. This yeah, morning was good.
0: You can see all of the houses, can't you, that have got kids because it's their uh, double blackout <laughs> blinds and blackout curtains and everything. We've got bin bags. We look like drug dealers. <laughs> We used to have bin
1: bags on the windows. So I was like, "There must be thinking of growing weed or something in it." <laughs> yeah, <you> come <laughs> and check fog. the electricity bill. <laughs> yeah, heat map from the from the roof. Um, so now we've got. Uh, normally, I get up at about half six, seven o'clock. How about you? Si?
0: yeah, it, yeah, it's about the same. Um, I mean, like Henry generally wake up about six, half six. Mm. Some days is like the other day, it was up at half five, which makes it really tough because then you go downstairs to make him breakfast and then you get a bit peckish. So breakfast time does it is really varied. So do you get the same like, thing? Uh,
1: I should actually probably, I'm lying, aren't I? Half six, Kate gets up at half six. I get up at half seven. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's quite an important factor for Kate yeah, yeah, listening yeah. to this part.
1: I, yeah, yeah. I, I wake up at half six, but Kate goes in and sorts it out because uh, she's much better in the morning than I am. But um, she also understands that I've got a training session coming up, so she understands that she goes down, it's uh, it gives me an extra half hour, an hour and bit, or forty five minutes, whatever, of rest. Um, I'm better prepared for the session ahead. Yeah. So, so we go down at let's say you said let's say seven o'clock.
0: Yeah, down. seven o'clock, and it's always it's always quite funny because I have to have two. I don't know about you, but I have to have two breakfasts. So I'll have like a little breakfast with Henry because mm. he always always wants a bit of Daddy's breakfast. Of course, always naturally. Yeah. So I end up sharing my breakfast. He's had his breakfast. I end up sharing my breakfast with him. And then yeah, I'll have my breakfast maybe seven, seven thirty. Yeah. Um, which generally is like porridge or just at the minute I've been having like poached eggs with um like a like a turkey bacon, like almost everything like, you know, like turkey bacon, mm-hmm. Russia with um with toast, just something a bit more a bit more substance. But you generally go to is hey, I need like I don't know about you, but when after like waking up really early in the morning, and having breakfast that early with Henry I just feel empty come like eight nine o'clock mm-hmm. when we get in the car to go training and I just need I need that fuel you're
1: ravenous by the time you get to the track um, what's,
0: uh, what's your typical go to breakfast
1: eggs so I normally have boiled eggs um, normally I have a piece of fruit and um, recently I've been back into uh, a bowl of muesli oh nice Yeah, I used to have muesli, muesli a lot because I didn't throw it up when I came to my session, and then when I trained a Rayna it was like yeah, had to have a piece of meat eggs and have avocado and I kind of got a bit sick of avocado so yeah I've gone away from that it's just basically eggs is the stable for every athlete diet I think mostly isn't it like, yeah yeah it's good source
0: of protein early in the morning
1: very easy to do although you poach them that's a bit of an effort
0: yeah it takes like five see. minutes like just Boil like boil some water and drop some <laughs> eggs in, and it's done. And it, but I'm really I, as a kid, I used to love eggs and soldiers in the mm-hmm. morning. But the only eggs I can eat now are like poached eggs. I just, okay. I just can't stomach the the smell of like boiled eggs or um, scrambled. So, why is a
1: breakfast important to a
0: heavy training day, Mister Science? Oh, <laughs> Mister Science, <laughs> mate, it, you know it is as as. Obviously, it's alluded to breakfast. It's it's a fast from your dinner time. You don't eat then through the night until um, so you break your fasting at breakfast. That's why it's called breakfast. So nice. f- for for me, you know, it's the most essential meal to get right because you know your body's been in starvation mode for I don't know if you get for us it's intermittent um, sleep, so it's broken sleep. But you know, you're essentially trying to get twelve hours or eight or eight to ten hours essentially of sleep. And your body's been in starvation mode for that. So to then go out and train if you've not got a full stomach, um, I think it's vitally important to for for any fitness goer or anyone. But then, like you alluded to, you've got to make sure it's a right breakfast because it might come back up if you've got like (laughs) an endurance session. So you can't be going having like sausage, beans, eggs, like a full English. Yeah. Because you don't want to see that reoccurring.
1: I think it's such a bad habit of people to go leave the house with like a cereal bar and literally like coffee on the go. Yeah. I think that I'm, I'm,
0: I'm looked after my body today. It's, yeah. such a, it's such a terrible idea. And I think for it is like, like people who have got really active lifestyles and maybe going to work and then fit in training or running sessions around work. And, and it's quite hard. You're, you're always on the go. So obviously if you prepped or you, you find, you find breakfast at work or anything and that's fine. But for us, mm-hmm. like, as the athletes it's such a staple start to the day that you need to get right because if you feel hungry halfway for a session and you haven't got anything with you just water or, you know yeah. it's, it's it can go horribly wrong when you cramp up in a session like for yeah. you it's hideous and then if it's hot as well it then predetermines how much you probably intake in the morning it's true so how much coffee do you have you've got a nice <laughs> coffee machine that. actually Mate, yeah we, 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 we would take ourselves as coffee connoisseurs
1: I, uh, i'm an espresso man i'm kind of like Put the pod in, press the button. I'm done. <laughs> done. It looks good, and it tastes good. I like it.
0: Yeah, you know, Nespresso's do the job, don't they, mate? Double exactly. so yeah.
1: serves a purpose. Um, you've got a grinder and
0: everything. Yeah, I'm. For, that was one thing. Like we, me and Amanda, both said for our wedding presents, like, what would you like? And I was like, coffee machine. Nice. So we all, we both invested. She had, I I've forgotten what she got for a wedding present from each other, but I got a coffee machine, and I was like, right, I want one with a grinder. So you do the beans, do the whole barista uh, experience, and it's got like one of those foam milk frothers and everything. Um, but yeah, I'm the same as you, mate. I'm literally stick that on in the morning. It does it all for you, and then double espresso, done, done. That's it. I think that's quite an, an important subject as well, isn't it? Caffeine, caffeine loading,
1: caffeine. Yeah, it's something that um, it's one of those things that's always been touted as, oh, is it doping? Is it not doping? But it's very hard to. When it's so readily available on everyone's diet, caffeine, it's kind of hard to regulate it. Um,
0: Yeah. I think uh, it was banned for a while. It was banned, but then obviously their principal sponsor of the Olympics and Paralympics is (laughs) Coca-Cola. So you'd have athletes just loading up on Coca-Cola, Fanta, Sprite, all under that group in the Olympic Village, and everyone would test positive for caffeine because it's free. (laughs) So,
1: um, yeah, I think it's an important part of uh, my race and training prep. To get me up in the morning it gets you a bit I want I enjoy the taste but also it gets you up and gets you
0: give a buzz ready for the session yeah so you know you've had your breakfast we go to the track we're both fortunate to live quite close to, to mm-hmm. training so travel isn't too big what you know what do you really do like in the car? Like, what come, do you listen to music or? Podcasts? So uh,
1: most of the time I listen to that Greaves and Rooney podcast
0: uh, <laughs> over a, and over a, again. It's a staple. Uh, it's a staple <laughs> the for the sports car.
1: podcast that kind of gets me through the day. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I'm, I'm literally five minutes drive away if, it's, if there's no traffic, mm. so it's very simple. That's the beauty of Loughborough. It's uh, you come here and you don't have to live too far away from the training centre. So. I lived in Birmingham briefly and it took 20, 25 minutes to get to the track uh, on a good day. And it's just not, it's, not, it's a waste of your time. It's yeah. a waste of your effort and stuff. Um, so I do believe that you need to live close to your track. You need to live close to your training center to get the, the most out of your training. Um, we get to Loughborough, um, go through the gates, have a little chat with the guys in security. They're always nice people and um, then we fight for parking spaces um, we have <laughs> the Loughborough High Pack has a designated parking spaces funded, funded athletes only um, which is maybe eight bays is it eight bays yeah mm. um, as you can imagine that's quite a lot of funded athletes based on campus and uh, often a lot of other people park in those spaces <laughs> uh, Loughborough University staff like to park in the High Pack you'll often come up to the, 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 the High Pack car park. it's full get to the high pack, no one in there. (laughs) And it's just all the staff. So if Loughborough University could uh, remedy that by just making it a high pack only car park, that would be quite uh, well appreciated by pretty much everybody who uses the the centre. Yeah, Uh, there's lots
0: of athletes. I think think the problem is, is before it used to just be the high pack and and there was obviously Birmingham and Sheffield and London, mm -hmm. where now Loughborough is the high pack and British athletics is hub. hub. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of athletes that have migrated here and yet it's unfortunate that there's no been uh, no additional spaces really, um, that's been provided. And yeah, I, like that's, that would be one I've, I've brought this up a million times. It's just really frustrating. You aim to get, you have to aim to get in before nine twenty, Otherwise yeah. you can't get a space.
1: No, no later. If you come in yeah. at nine 30, you are done. Um, Obviously, we've got kids, so we get up early. We did the the, the nursery run, and we we're your
0: your nursery's early though. Yeah, I'm, um, I dropped Henry off at seven thirty. Whoa! So, um, but that's 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 the time it opens, So we're paying for it. <laughs> so boy, you're in <laughs> seven thirty. You're, you're gonna have your breakfast with your buddies, and yeah, and that's it. And then back to bed.
1: <laughs> so okay, we get to the high pack early enough. We get parking. Um, you're um, you're spread to yourself around the high pack, don't you? You don't have like one little area that you kind of sit in. You kind of you go outside, you go
0: upstairs, you go downstairs. Yeah, like, yeah. It depends, like what I guess uh, weather dependent. Like so, we obviously can throw indoors at the high pack in Loughborough. Should we describe the high I mean, pack? Yeah, it's it's okay. such a, a great facility, isn't
1: it? Like, yeah. So this Loughborough High Pack is uh, the indoor centre at uh, Loughborough University. They're the first, the floor, the ground floor that you come in, and it's um, predominantly there's a the high jump area. And there's two frozen nets um, for discus. Discus and hammer. hammer. Can you throw a shot in there? Or is it, you can't um, yeah, those.
0: there's a shot circle with a sector and then that ties in with um, two high oh, yeah. jump beds. Yeah, that's it, yeah. And then we've got like a cardio area. Yeah, um,
1: those are bikes, watt bikes and cross trainers. and
0: Yeah, and then there's a, a big tarpaulin, what looks like a tarpaulin net, but there's like quite a few um, layers of it that you can actually throw um, rubber-pointed... Um, javelins in downstairs yeah. which is quite dangerous but they do put a net around it and it's, it's Is that on the ground possible.
1: floor? Or the, oh, on the, yeah, it's on, it's on the lower uh, bit The lower lower ground floor, so the track level So you go down the stairs, you go down to track level we have a 130 metres I think of straight purple track and um, there's a pole vault runway there's a couple of long jump and triple jump pits there um, We have the javelin area which is over the long jump pit so obviously you can't throw and jump at the same time um, then down in the pole vault end as you go down to the left it's um, there's like obviously the pole vault beds and there's a gymnastic kind of area where you can do you do like P-bars and stuff yeah the do
0: P-bars and high bar and then there's I just started the rings and and there's like a, a nice I think uh, it's like a plyo jumps area where um, you can basically defy gravity you put you <laughs> you get put in this little harness and yeah. then they can um, winch you up through elastics and you can jump really high and it's basically to take take the pressure off your body weight mm. um, which is pretty cool
1: it is really good really good piece of equipment that uh dr michael johnson um snc coach uh, he developed here and then i go down to the right i go down in the cave
0: yeah um, you like it down there you've always you always warm gravitated up gravitated
1: towards that yeah when I was training with Nick we were right in the middle uh, when I trained with Raina, we he decided we were in the pits so he stuck us yeah. down in the cave and I've just stayed put with Graham we stayed there Jonas's group have now kind of migrated down that way um, so I kind of mix in with their group a bit they leave me a bit of space on the bench <laughs> um, so yeah so that's the high pack and then outside obviously it's uh, an eight lane tr- international standard track and there's more pole vault runways and uh, long jump pits and froze circles, two froze cages, uh two javelin runways. Actually, Loughborough's spoilt for pole vault runways. Um Steve Rippon, who used to run the high pack, was a pole vault coach. Yeah. Who's my wife back in the day? My yeah. wife, Kate, uh her her old coach, and he literally spent money on investing on pole vault runways. So those pole vault runways that go in every direction depending on what it is and then the pole vault is training indoors most of the time so there's no point
0: <laughs> like four four beds for uh, uh, Holly Bradshaw's here now which is yeah Holly's here she, great I see. think
1: she trains outside a bit I think yeah. uh, when Kate coaches if it's sunny she's like right we're outside so that's uh, that's pretty good but that's the high pack it's good options
0: so you go you and then so um, when anywhere we, like, we'll just go through like a, a typical warm up because I think like for me, like I always, I, I don't know about you, but whenever I drive in, um, I always tend to like listen to a bit of music or um, like I'm podcasting, like that Peter Crouch podcast is a bit of a favourite at the minute. Yeah, um, it was fun, quite yeah. funny and it's just take your mind. I don't know about you, but I just like to take my mind off and then as soon as I pull up to the high pack, then yeah, like I start thinking about warm up, like what session I've got, I really got today um, and then like start to really focus on that. So like... With your warm up and everything, how do you how do you then judge? Um, what have you got like a regular warm up, or do you just judge on what session it is? So uh, when I trained with Rainer Ryder, he
1: had um, kind of his Bible of session uh, warm ups and um, power sessions, and drills, and it's just this collection of info that he would gathered over the years and he would put together himself, and um, so I've still used that a lot. Um, within that, there's probably about twenty warm ups that you can choose from, oh, wow. all different levels of intensity and how long they take, and with different focuses on different parts of the body. Um, So my warm ups can take from twenty minutes up to an hour. And when I first joined Rainer, that's all we did was we did warm ups. It's just the general conditioning that we get from those warm ups is so much better than anything I'd done before. Yeah. So I've carried it on. Um, yeah, you kind of do it like a 45-minute to an hour warm-up, really. That's my standard ones that I go with. Um, I'm listening to my music. If there's other people there that are chatting away or whatever, but trying to get it done properly, trying to get my body ready for the session. Um, and it, bring in the intensity that you need to the session. If it's a, it's something that I've talked to a lot about some of the, young, some of the younger kids in training, when I joined Raina's group, there was days that, um, I noticed the other athletes, the the American guys who'd come across, so Christian Taylor or Danielle Carvers. When it was their big days, they acknowledged you. They knew you were there, but they weren't paying attention to anything you were doing. They were focused, so focused on their own warm up. They were so focused on what was coming in the session for them um, that it was like competition mode for them. Oh, wow. So everyone else is jovial and getting on trainings together and getting it warmed up together, and those. Those kind of people were like, literally, like they were there. They're in the pack, but they weren't acknowledging you. They were doing their own thing, and they'd laughed like, Haha, "Yeah, cool," and carried on. You know, they've been that kind of sociable, and that's something that I really learned to respect and really learned to bring into my own training. As I train on my own now, I'm kind of stuck doing
0: that anyway. <laughs> yeah, but that's really like it's just because like, obviously, Christian Taylor's that like Olympic and world champion, like double Olympic, yeah, the, triple, like, four, three or four-time world champion, something like that. You think like. Phew, if, if that's what it takes yeah like it, having that it's not every channeled day. focus no no I can yeah, it, it's, like Christian's a great guy like really mm. funny uh, but you can see that focus like mm. you can see his determination um especially when you're training at Loughborough. like such it must have been such a good person to be around to then see how just a different light on prep so you like it, it took the, the level leader.
1: of training in Loughborough. like we always thought what we were doing was world class and we were doing well when in Medals here and there, but not to the level of consistency that these guys were bringing. So when Rainer came in, it brought in this kind of level of like, this is world class. What you've done before is it's okay. It's basically just about international class now. We're we're taking it to the next level, and that's what Christian had to offer. Um, Danielle Crover's she was brilliant as well. She was a veteran hurdler, and uh, she Very took aggressive no in shit. the gym, if I can remember. Yeah, she took nothing from. Like, she didn't take any shit from anyone, and it was brilliant. Like she came in and. Kicked people's asses. Um, established athletes should kick them in the ass and make sure they did it properly, and um, made sure they came to her level rather than she came down to their level, which was brilliant. I loved her. Absolutely loved her. I Thought she was amazing.
0: She's got brilliant eyes as well. She wore contacts. Yeah, exactly. Just so cool. <laughs> but she was. She, you ever
1: see that video of her in the gym? If you go on uh, Daniel Kravas' Instagram, there's a video of her doing a pull test where you basically see how much force you can generate into the floor. I think it is, or pulling away from the floor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the scream was so loud, but she just threw everything into this. It was incredible. Like, she has to hold this pull for, like, 10 seconds, and 10 minutes, 10 seconds of scream, the whole way through it was amazing. Like, I, I was outside the gym. I was probably, like, 50 meters away, and it was piercing my ears. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, that's the warm-up from my point of view. What, you, okay. you, How many throws, what do you do? Yeah, so, like, I guess your sessions change quite dramatically where um, like, mine mine is really repetitive because that's the event I'm in. Like, discus is very, like, it is very technical at times. Like, um, sometimes you just have to, like, try and throw for rhythm. Sometimes you're working on specific things. So, you know, it might be, like, our entry out of the back or... Uh, our arm height or anything like that and then it throws a couple of bits off elsewhere so you have to be aware of that but our warm up is very generated around the throw session so we do obviously like a little bit of CV everyone loves a bit of CV but then we do like a lot of hip mobility a lot of back mobility so both active and passive stretching Um, and then we do like I do like a little band session Um, and I generally get like slightly tense lower back and glutes so I've I've got a little circuit I do for that so it's generally everything that I want to achieve in the circle is then mirrored in my warm-up so as soon as I go out I'm like I've, I've done everything I've done like my shoulder mobility hips back um done some core um active and passive stretching um just get the body warm so then when we go out um you know fully set up to go and do a session and yeah, you know, I do 60 to maybe 80 throws a session four times a week. I think I've worked it out to be a good, I don't know, 30,000 throws a year maybe. Wow. Which, when you think, yeah, it's my job, but it's it's quite a lot, and a lot can go wrong in those 30 throws if you don't get it, it right. So throw, you have to be really yeah. consistent, really making sure. Like, we do a lot of video analysis in that um but, yeah, like, the warm-up for me is essential that everything I'm trying to achieve in the circle technically, I've warmed up properly, um, all the muscle groups are firing and, and like, away we go. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's, it's very, like, it's very monotonous and we obviously have to tweak it here and there if I've got an injury or I've got some tightness or... But it hasn't changed for quite a few years and it's just what works, really. It's mm-hmm. just, like, like, every person's different and I just know my body setup is... Isn't that's what that's what makes me fire, and it slightly changes. It gets a little bit more intense on competition day, Um, so we probably push it to like fifty minutes, maybe an hour. Mm -hmm. But that's just with like a bit of chilled out jogging, and um, we just put a few extra layers in there just to to get firing. Really,
1: how do you uh, judge how your body's feeling going into a session? Like, so do you have markers that say today I'm feeling I'm not feeling great. I might have to change the session, or
0: yeah, it's a- yeah. It's like for me, it's yeah. It's like tightness, soreness. So if I if I'm like through the winter, where I've got like I'm blasting out weight sessions left, right, and center, and I'm getting tight, and I feel, I feel like super constrained. Like my muscles feel tired. Then I will just maybe just do three sets of ten throws. So just mm-hmm. do thirty throws, um, but just make them good quality throws. Just primarily because. I just don't. Wanna, I just don't want to burn out, or I don't. No. I don't want something to go pop. Um, and so, yeah, the warm up generally is geared around. So, if I feel stiff in my back, I just do loads of back and hip mobility and loads of stretches. So we've got like you say, you've got twenty odd different warm ups. I guess I've got like five or six different ones that I would do anyway. But if something's specifically tight or sore, I'd spend mm-hmm. more time on the foam roller, yeah. trying to foam roll like my back or my hips or my glutes, and mm-hmm. and, and like really work on specific. So. Yeah, so essentially, I'm trying to evade <laughs> evade injury, but also make make my training a little bit a little bit easier.
1: Of course, it's um it's a fine line between uh, listening to your body and you want to stay healthy, but also like you want to get the hard work done. Yeah, um, I can imagine like if you say you've had uh, a tight back for a couple of days, and it's like right, I really need to get this session done. It must be very. Uh, it's kind of a balancing act between. Do I push it today or do I wait for next week to so, you know after yeah. I've seen Pora Sing? <laughs>
0: Big Pora. <laughs> Big Pora. Pick my that? back.
1: Get it sorted. If if and you it, get it. Sorry, go on.
0: No, yeah. Like it's, it's one of those things where it's it's a judgment call, isn't it, on ourselves, where mm. you obviously you relate with your coach, but you you don't want to push it too far. It's like how much do you draw back and how much do you play it safe? Where mm. it might just be a little bit of muscle soreness, it's maybe just a bit of tightness and that's it and then after your session you feel fine because you've you've loosened up and warm-up you've done a good session but if you start to feel it it's like and how much do you pull back from that session yeah um it's like how much do you how much would you would your warm-up and feelings and mood of that day change what you're going to do on the track
1: um for me uh, i tend to write when i write my program i have a plan a and a plan b um it's a lot of it will be to do with how my hips are moving. If my hips are moving fine, then I'll go plan A every time. Um, if I really want to sprint, I, it's, through the winter slog, it's winter slog. You just get on with it. You, if my hips aren't moving, then sorry, mate, you have to carry on and get on with it because it's just your body's going to hurt whatever happens. It doesn't matter if you're moving well or not. So um, you try to obviously try to minimize the risk of injury, but you're going to have to get through it. So through the winter phase of my training, it's a lot more CV, a lot more lactic tolerance-based uh, training. So lactic acid is, do you want to go into this now? Yeah, I mean, L- yeah, mean go, do it. If you Google lactic acid, the first thing that comes up, lactic acid in muscles, um, it says, lactic acid is produced in your muscles and builds up during intense exercise. It can lead to painful some sore muscles, lactic acid buildup due to exercise is usually temporary and not a cause for a lot of concern but it can affect your workouts by causing discomfort.
0: And it makes you spew up. (laughs) It makes
1: you spew. So lactic acid basically is the waste uh, produced by your muscles as you train hard, as simply as possible. Um, And 400 metre runners, 800 metre runners, 4 hurdlers that is our comfort zone. This is where what differentiates us from the sprinters and the endurance runners, it's kind of like we revel in lactic acid. This is where we're at our best. And for me personally, that's, I love the burn. (laughs) It's a deep burn. It's a deep burn. And it's what, uh, has helped me with my career for over the years. Like I'm not as fast as other athletes. I'm not as strong as say, um, some of the, the 800 meter runners, but like my, my tolerance for lactic is, is pretty strong and I think that was like stuff that people kept on saying about Michael Phelps doesn't produce much lactic so that was a, a benefit I, well actually no, that's a negative <laughs> yeah. like you want to produce the lactic acid it's kind of like it means that you're effective with your body And yeah, so um, my training through the winter months is focused on building up my tolerance to lactic acid and making sure that when I come to the summer season and I'm running uh, close to 100. percent I can deal with the lactic acid as I come through the second half of my race, um, and that's what 400 meter running is.
0: It's about so then, holding on. Then so through like, through the winter, is that like um? Do you use anything to buffer it so you, you can then come summer? Like you're trying, obviously, you're trying to reduce that feeling during mm. competition, but knowing that your lactic threshold is a lot higher, so so you don't you do need like do you use anything to buffer it, or is it, is that just You just have to train for
1: it. There are lactic acid bufferers. The classic ones would be bicarbonate soda, what you use to baking and cleaning products. Um, I don't like that because it gives you the shits. And that's one thing I don't need before a race. Or after. Or after a race. (laughs) Through the media zone. Yeah, like uh, lots of horror stories of people pooping their pants. And I don't need that in my life. So I don't use that. Uh, sodium citrate uh, a lot of athletes use that it's something that um, tastes like salt water when you drink it straight or if you do it in capsules you have to take things like 0.6 of your body weight I've got the information here somewhere but um, it's quite quite a lot of capsules um, before you race you might be rattling which is an uncomfortable feeling for me personally um, so I tend not to use it um, I use beta aline. Which is something that um, Professor Ron Morn told me about back in 2006. He's a Loughborough. Did you was he a lecturer for you or? Uh, the name does ring a bell? Actually, yeah. He's a researcher at Loughborough University that myself and Rhys Williams met a long, long time ago. Um, so you basically you take beta alanine. Uh, it's you take 0.8 uh, grams of 0.8 of your body weight. Oh, okay. So say I weigh 83 kilo. 83 kilos. I need to take 6.4 grams a day. Oh, wow. um, How long for? So to load it. I I don't like using it in the winter. I really? like to get the full training effect of lactic acid, and then when I get to the summer, when I'm racing, that's when I'll buffer it because I've done the hard work in as hard as it can be, rather than a bit easier. if You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? So, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That makes perfect sense.
1: So um, yeah, I'll I'll start loading that from now because the world champs are four months away and I aim to have the best lactic threshold at the world champs um, and it basically um, <sighs> do you know the science of beta alanine other than it gives you tingles
0: but yeah I, I've used it I, I used it back in Matt Lovell's era of yep. um, British athletics and we were just trialling it as a kind of pre-comp um, like stimuli for Matt Lovell was a nutritionist. Yeah, Matt Lovell British was a, British yeah. athletics, and um, and yeah, like you say, like used to get tingles, and it almost that that combined with caffeine, really like I don't know whether it really. I I, I just obviously just use caffeine now. It didn't really mm-hmm. affect me to the extent that his science was that was wanting, but um,
1: I can't remember what it it actually does to the, to the lactate. It just kind of. Does it change the pH yeah, uh, level or something?
0: Yeah, I think it does it reduce it so it doesn't. Whatever eat? makes it more alkali. Yeah. I don't this really. This is really scientific. Uh, I don't know. This is way above my cost. Like like year six. <laughs> I did sports science. Six science I can't remember ten, it. I did sports science over 10 years ago, and it's quite shocking that probably covered all of this they were talking about, and I can't remember a, a single thing. To a master's level.
1: From Loughborough yeah. University,
0: mate. Come on, mate. I wish I could remember. <laughs> I wish. Uh, at, <laughs> at least you're thing. an honorary doctor. <laughs> yeah, that's As if there's a doctor in the house, they come running this way. <laughs> there is no doctor here.
1: Um, so yeah, my main trait. Like, I do use a lactic buffer, but it'll be later on in the summer. Um, so my winter months are lots of loading, lots of heavy stuff in the gym. Um, I lift in the gym two to three times a week. And I do olympic lifts um lots of circuits, stuff that basically hurts me um but makes sure that I'm ready for the the quicker stuff in the summer and then from as it gets warmer, I sprint um my warm up dictates my hips and my body dictates how i how quick I run yeah um
0: so you um, can tell if, that like as soon as you get to the track like if you're I tell that when you wake up in the morning you wake up in the morning <laughs> if your hips are a little bit tight then you know exactly yeah what session is going to be today
1: pretty much like i think uh, with a bit of assistance from the therapist's approach uh, of legs um we do some trackside therapy but um we tend to when my hip is jammed there's no point trying to sprint because uh, my stride on one side will be shorter than the other and then you put yourself at risk of being injured um, yeah. in team sports you seem to get away with that like you just carry on in it. sometimes when you do multi- multi-directional stuff your body kind of sorts itself out whereas when you're trying to run sprint in a straight line or around a bend it, it doesn't give you that, that chance it just goes ping um, so the warm up and um, the time of year dictates the session these things are a part of the game as you get older like when you're in a group I think that changes as well like if you're with a group of people and you've got a session you'll push through everything just because yeah. you want to be involved. If you're on your own, it's kind of like, um, that's why I was asking earlier about like, do you just push through
0: it or do you make a smarter decision? Um, yeah, I think it, like it, over the years, obviously you get older and wiser and you know, you know your boundaries, like mm-hmm. you're not a spring, we're not, well, I'm not, you're I'm not a lot more chicken. spring chicken than me. But before, yeah. when, when, you, when you're in your 20s, you feel invincible and you can go and do mm-hmm. rock out sessions left, right and centre, Recovery takes half the time. When you're a bit older, you always have to forward think. Don't you? Yeah, always forward, forward think thinking. to right. Okay, how's my body feeling? What are the boundaries that is gonna you know can happen today? How much can we really push it without hurting and too much and right breaking? Yeah, like what's going to be beneficial for this moment in time to then progress and keep progressing rather mm. than taking a few steps back by doing a massive session which no one wants rather than just keep and and over time oh, I, I think i've just learned you just learn a lot more about yourself don't you like right okay i'm not getting a obviously with the kids and a new lifestyle mm-hmm. and everything you're not getting awesome. any sleep so you, just, you need you need to be a bit more wiser um in in the training and and one well, that's one thing is like massively it's like for me is like ups is massively essential to Mm-hmm. To how the outcome of training is um,
1: so your breakfast and your warm up are essential to the rest of the day. Almost,
0: I'd say yeah. Um, especially in strength and power mm-hmm. um, areas, like you know, I, I, I go and throw, have a bit of a recovery, and then go and lift, mm-hmm. and to double up like that most days is is fairly intense. Um, and then obviously we do we do other things like plyometrics and core and um, essentially bits and bobs like that, but. Um, yeah, for me, it's just yeah, it's just a, a step up and a, a setting yourself up. So, so just don't blow out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Talk to me about core, because core, core is something that it's kind of a bit of a, not a buzzword, but it's like a word that's thrown around a lot. Um, but it's something something that everyone can do for their general benefit of their health and whatever. Um, you do quite an advanced core circuit in the gymnastics bit, don't you?
0: Yeah, so we do like uh, on Wednesdays it's a light. So we have like we train um, the weekends off, so two days off, then Monday Tuesday on, which a double session a uh, triple triple days. Um, then Wednesdays a lighter day, so like it's so actually two days on, one day off, two days on. Um, so Wednesday we do like a functional strength circuit. Okay. Um, so with my warm up anyway, we do like lots of neutral spine work, um, like leg lowers. Um, kind it's, of like back. Yeah, lying on your back and then like Superman. So we do a lot in neutral spine to try and eradicate any tightness in the lower back, thoracic spine, and do some hip mobility work. Um, and I used to years ago when it was nearly summertime just to do like an ab circuit. Um, but now, like, I very rarely do crunches oh. because it's the worst thing for your back. Well, for my back, especially being yeah. 110 kilos. Yeah curling the spine that way um, everyone thinks that's where you get abs but since I've been doing gymnastic work so one of the things is high bar knee raises you just dangle there on a high bar raise your knees up mm-hmm. and then do like windscreen wipers left and right um, specifically trying to isolate the hips and then moving the legs um, in a controlled manner and p-bar swings everything there me, and, and I like do rollouts on the rings like my abs are so like, so you actually feel how strong they are, Yeah. Um which primarily the underlying message for that functional thing is the functional strength element for me is to be able to hold the positions at speed in the circle. Of course. So I need to, my problem is I collapse slightly in the middle, so I need to try and stay more upright. So mm-hmm. I need stronger obliques, um, a really like... You know my my external muscles and my abs aren't as strong maybe as yours, but I need to no, no I need to hold that yeah. <laughs> no, I mean you're a lot stronger than me. I Need to be able to hold those positions, but under the under the layers of uh, winter warmth, <laughs> there is, there is some uh, some abs in there, I promise. Um, but that we we only just recently maybe like four or five years like stumbled across that because I was just doing pretty static like ab work like yeah. isolated ab work and it wasn't as functional as we needed it to be where mm-hmm. now I'm not doing like hundreds of crunches and like prone holds and things like that I'm doing a lot more like movement based ab work and, and more agility based work which
1: do you, do you know what you've done you've gone to the the prison workout you know when people go in prison and they come out jacked yeah. <laughs> this is you right now this is Dan's got the bars he's
0: hanging from the bars and he's doing all the stuff that you see on YouTube all those you look like so friends with Christian Thomas the gymnastic Olympic gymnast medalist mm. you look at him he is absolutely stacked Yeah, and he very rarely goes in the gym well he does gym work but not to like bodybuilder standards mm-hmm. he doesn't really do crunches and stuff just does like core stability functional stretching mm-hmm. and those guys are ripped properly ripped yeah so I'm like, yeah, I'm all for functional strength. Yeah, this is it. This when is I board. retire, that's it. I'm just going to become a gymnast.
1: You've got the, the physique of a gymnast. I've,
0: I've, I've just seen got, you move. Just got, I've just got a strong upper body and skinny legs, mate. I've got Because <laughs> I've got zero muscle in my calves. <laughs> I can, and you've got I'm massive arms. That's uh, basically, it. I've got legs as arms. Arms as legs. <laughs> that's <laughs> my, I'm inverted. My so bro- I said you look like an inverted triangle the other day. I'll take, so that. That. So I'll take that. I'll take yeah. that,
1: yeah. My brother-in-law, he was a, uh, an international gymnast. For, uh, back in the early 2000s and he still has massive arms he retired so long ago but it's just that repetitive functional strength stuff that they do in gymnastics like, yeah. I reckon if he if he wanted to get back in the gym he'd get massive straight
0: away oh yeah just that gymnast body man it's just uh, it's just the tone as well they build up like the muscle tone to be able to like to do the crucifix on the rings is mind blowing oh, so hard It looks so easy. It looks, yeah. They make it look easy, and they just stay there, and they hold the position, and they're like sometimes smiling, and (laughs) even to go a little bit of a fly out at the minute. Yeah, with my knees on the ground, and I'm like shaking. Well, I tried to do your circuit one day, didn't I? I did a couple of
1: like uh, I did some stuff where I was trying to curl up, so I was hanging from the bar. I had my knees and I pulled them up to my chest, and I was trying to like shoot up. Yeah, my back was gone. I was like two or three days out after that because was, it was just far yeah. too advanced for me. And it, Dan made it look so easy, and the gymnasts make it look like they could do it, like holding on with one finger. You know, they're they're so strong. So um, it does make you realise how like, like I'm fairly fit and I'm fairly decent at core, but it's a whole new level. And that's where I need. That's where I need to go.
0: It's almost um, an advanced version of bums and tums we used to do <gasps> back in bums the day. Bums and tums. <laughs>
1: that was great. I used to do a bums and tums circuit uh, with lots of little
0: joggers and uh, it was quite funny wasn't it two burly blokes lots of little girl and lads joggers and uh, there we were like trying to trying to do some of these flexibility yeah. positions I was, oh, uh, no, was the worst hit then the downward <laughs> dog and the dish <laughs> all those fun ones
1: yeah that was good crack actually I enjoyed that that was uh, put on by British Athletics medical staff the physios practitioners and um, yeah it was well attended so there's an idea guys Maybe we should have Dan Greed's uh, bums and tums. (laughs) Definitely not.
0: So via the powers of the internet and Instagram, we have actually found the soundbite of Danielle Crothers in the gym that Aruni alluded to earlier.
1: (laughs) That was her screaming. It might have just sounded like metal crunching or something. I don't know what it sounded like to you guys, but check her out on Instagram. It's very funny, very impressive.
0: So I guess like types of training session that looks like for me, um, you know, I'm predominantly a speed, strength, power event that I guess you might laugh at this, but there is a slight bit of endurance in there as well. So obviously, I no, I'm am, not. Laughing. I, you, you have to <laughs> six. I'm not going to. I'm not going to try and type myself as an endurance athlete. <laughs> but sometimes um, I've done comps where it's fully loaded with people, and it takes like two hours. Okay. And it could be, you know, I've got six six throws to do. Um, so I do my first row, and I could wait ten minutes yeah. for the next row. So I have to have like a a warm up. Virtually, it depend. Obviously, dependent on. Um, the amount of competitors, I have to have like a warm-up, like a pre-throw warm-up to do. So maybe two or three people out before me, Yeah, get get myself ready, do a little bit of a warm-up, ready for competition. Obviously, we talk about competitions there, but that's just the endurance element. And so my training sessions generally have to then, they, they change, obviously. In the winter, there's a lot of hard graft and like the volume of throws are you know, maybe 30, 40, 50,000 dependent. So it could get up to like 100 throws a session. Yeah, But then in the summer, it has to replicate that longevity because mm. there's no point in me doing lots of throws all in the space of half an hour when potentially my my competition could last an hour. So come round six, I'm absolutely spent because I've just spent obviously so long and I've cooled down from my initial warm-up before the, uh, the warm-up track. My, um, my whole cycle of training has to, in the winter, like put the, like you do, like put the hard graft in for your lactate. So we work on um, a lot of strength deficit work, um, which maximises the the strength work we do um, to able to apply maximal force. And so, like, we have to measure that, whether it's, like, force plates, doing counter-movement jumps, or CMJs, or, like, the gym-aware pulley. Um, And we, we look at testing my initial strength my maximal strength versus my ballistic strength um, that we do in the gym through those tests um, and that's all in the winter like like that's where my kind of fruits of my labour is so from September to maybe end of February we're doing like the hardest sessions to try and maximise the outcome in the summer which is to be stronger uh, more muscles be more uh, robust, um, and hopefully, it, it's our strength cycle is working like a linear peak. I don't know how you kind of whether yours fluctuate, but ours is generally linear, a slight linear rise. To essentially, we've got worlds in November this year, so our linear um, cycle will be to November. Yeah. So it wouldn't be right now, well, obviously it fluctuates for competitions and, and everything in training, but where I want to be throwing from where I was probably at the bottom of the peak in September and winter to then the top of the peak is where we want to be in November. Like, of course. Whether that, does that transpire to you or do um, you have different peaks in different years?
1: For me, uh, I, I like to get to a place and sustain. Um, I find that if I chase PBs and I keep trying to get stronger and stronger and stronger in the gym, it's uh, almost like unnecessary. For me to be cleaning, doing a hand cleaning, trying to get 120, um, it's um, the more functional stuff that you do in the, in the core circuits and stuff and the core strength, that's what I get a bigger benefit from when I race. And uh, it's a horse of, horses, of course, it's like if I'm a 100 meter runner, I want to be able to move that kind of weight. If I'm a shot putter, I need to move it, but for 400 meter runner, is uh, it relative? I'm going to have to carry that weight around the track, so... It's about sustaining a good level of strength and holding it all the way through.
0: And then like, so in your event, like I kind of like dissed you last time that it wasn't sprint, but it is a sprint event. But it's an elongated sprint event, isn't it? Like, so you've got to be like, like you've got to have a high lactic threshold because you go in for 40 odd seconds. So like to sprint for 40 odd seconds is... The event's
1: changed. There's a new generation of athletes now who are coming through and um, led by... I suppose the likes of LaShawn Merritt, um, Wade Van Nieker obviously world record holder, and uh, Michael Norman uh, and Karani James. These guys, they go from the gun to tape. So in the past, even the generation of Michael Johnson and all those guys, it was, uh, you got out into the first 100 meters at like 11 flat. You ran 21 and a half, one maybe at max for 200 meters. And then you work the top end and you try to come off and run 31 seconds and those guys run 43 seconds. Um, whereas now, those guys, they go ten-seven around the first bend. 20.7 to 200 meters, they push hard into the bend and hang on down the home straight. So in the past where guys used to finish somehow in like 11 low, which I don't think is possible, but anyway, um, that's another story. Uh, these guys now finish at the standard pace of like 12 seconds, 12 and a, 11.9 12, 12 flat down the home straight which to me is far more realistic than coming home in 11.2 Yeah, I think that's really unbelievable that's I yeah, that is crazy they, they just they did their weird things but anyway um it's just the sprint it's a pure sprint event to run 20.7 31 flat through 300 is unbelievable it's so fast like to run 31 flat anyway on it's own is an incredible achievement to run 31 flat and then finish in 12 seconds that's amazing. Like to, to it's actually
0: mind-blown, isn't it, like to, to think that process, so they've gone through it's all like, of that beforehand and then they've still... It's the same as Kipchoge when he's running 17
1: seconds per 100 metres or whatever for, and holding it for a marathon. It's like you're running pretty much under 11 seconds all the way around for 100 metres. And you can you imagine how quick 11 seconds is for, if you say a top footballer in the world can run maybe 10-9 at best maybe at a stretch 10-9 like what do 10 you mean they're miles.
0: not faster than Bolt
1: oh, oh yeah sorry they're, obviously they're all nine, nine <laughs> yeah, and a half no, seconds
0: 100 metre of course nine seconds flat isn't it for uh, some of the Arsenal players apparently some of them yeah
1: yeah Johnny May rugby player oh Johnny quick May in, oh, he's eight seconds Bolt as well.
0: Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, that we could do a podcast thing. on that literally no, no, no. <laughs> we'd
1: just be moaning yeah. Um, oh. but uh, yeah so like say the top top footballer in the world runs 10-9 for 100 metres which is brilliant like these boys are going off quicker, and then keep going. <laughs> they just keep going, and like for 400 meters, they're they're pinging it. So it is a sprint event. Um, me, I am a sprinter, kind of, and but I just can't go off that quick. Don't have that in my legs. I can run at ten nine run the first bend, twenty one five, thirty two three, thirty two four, and hold on. That's as good as it gets for me. I don't know why
0: we we're talking about that. Where did that come from? Just getting free through I think strength and like how obviously my was predominantly power and, and strength and then like you know I, I need I need to have the weight behind the object yeah so I'm yeah like I'm fortunate that I could just I can eat to a certain extent <laughs> yeah and I have a luxury of, of having weight but it, it's obviously got to be good weight so I've yeah. like, I try and keep myself below like 20% body fat okay um just primarily because I, I want to have like a good muscle weight like rate ratio, mm-hmm. body fat. Um you need to have a massive bench. Yeah. And like I was about like to talk about that. You. So like the phases of training we go through, like start of winter, is almost like it's like a shocker. So like like one of my examples of was in bench specifically. Obviously we do like cleans and snatch and, and deadlift and squat. But bench we did three twenties and I'll make if you three times 23 times 20 wow and like it's it it felt like obviously normally I do like probably the top's eight reps mm-hmm. so doing 20 so I did 10 I'd have like a blip of a rest and then do five then do five and make this session uh, we did it for six weeks and it's like all of September but of October and it was oh mate, just absolutely horrid um, but it set me up so well so yeah like we generally then once we go into like a normal phase of training in october we go on maybe 60% of max 70% of max 80% of max 90% of max and that's roughly about february um february time and then we'll obviously go for pbs and in that time yeah like that's what took me to the 200 bench is like because i got up to like 120 for 20 320 is uh, on
1: bench mate. i was 120 so for 20
0: I, went to I was I'm like, am looking like a six for six, 60 for six. <laughs> I was, I was, I was a bit like you though. Like, I, it was, it was a spewer session. Skinny? It was horrible. Like, where, all oh, right, sorry, where you just be like, you get an absolute pump and okay. you know, like you hold it, you're walking around like you're holding carpets. <laughs> and I, to be honest, that's the story from that session is I had to stop on the way home because my arms were that pumped from the whole session mm. globally that I couldn't hardly steer the steering wheel, having to go back to like you would when you pass your test and feed the steering wheel through your hands because I could, literally couldn't lift mm, my arms up. Zombie driving where yeah. you just like literally have your You're arms trying, resting yeah. on the steering wheel <laughs> and hoping that you can just go out driving a straight line all the way home. I know, it'd be like, officer, I, was, honestly I've had a tough session, I didn't mean to crash into <laughs> the car in I just couldn't turn the steering wheel. Um, uh. But then yeah, like, like say so for me, like Winter training is obviously like like, you, like the nooks and crannies, but then like the, the phases obviously change, and we go on percentage of max, mm-hmm. and then we work through the bulk of the core in the weight room, and it and it is the same for the throws. We, we fully load the throws and drills in the winter, so I do three sessions of um, sorry four sessions in total throughout winter and summer, but winter like two of those sessions of drill work. To a really intense throw session, so we get a mixture of putting in new technical areas. And then slowly as the summer comes around, so as we get start to get into March, we go almost into like a like a pre-seasonal pre-seasonal phase. So the weights will start to slowly drop off from maybe 80-90% where we were of max, then down to like 60-70% and be a bit of a constant until competition time which then just allows a lot more recovery um, and then I like the muscles to recover more because less sessions are lighter but then we slowly start to ramp up the intensity well, I suppose um,
1: if your max is 200 kilos and you still you're coming down to say 140 for bench or whatever, that's still a lot of weight on your body it might feel easy but yeah. it's still a big stress on your body isn't it yeah
0: and, and like we've, we've mixed we mix it up as well so not only obviously 200k as a max bench is freaking a hell of a lot and it almost surpri- surprises me that I've done it but like when we're doing like 140s now like we're either add chains on the end or we we do at the minute we're doing two second holds at the bottom and then explode mm-hmm. up so it's just to get that going the muscles firing from like a static position so like could um Concentrically contracting down to then a real big explosion up. Yeah. Um Just so it, obviously the weight's lighter, but we're just adapting the weight, so mm-hmm. we're not just completely relying. And then obviously we're going to a speed phase during comp, so that's when we yeah, when we try and pump out a lot lighter for like two or three reps, and we properly just you literally bang one bang. bang. Yeah. And um Punching, and sessions. Yeah. But yeah, like essentially going along our like in training continuum. Like there's a a big chunk of of area where obviously we compete this year in in may and in in may to to August, and that generally needs to be as crisp as can be because we've got a essentially at our top of our peak for the linear program is is November, so there's no point in me I want to compete well, but I don't need to be at my very best because that needs to come at world champs,
1: yeah, um, obviously the world champs this year for both of us are very late um normally our season will peak in August um, and peter out in September um, so this year I, the IWF uh, World Champs start in September finish um, early October and for the Para World Champs it's, it's November in Dubai November so it's very late for both of us it's a it's a, it's a challenge for everyone involved um, a lot of guys have started racing already and racing quick um,
0: good for them Yeah, Uh, (laughs) it's kind uh, of. Do you think like opening up early and running or throwing far? That like to me, obviously, it's like I've got to compete in November and and yourself in um, September October. How hard do you think it will be for those guys to try and sustain that? It's like it can't be sustainable for that period of time. Surely they have to dip into a bit more of a heavier load of volume Um, training. I think the perfect
1: example at the moment of everybody's been going to be curious to see how he performs is Michael Norman in the men's 400 he's opened in 43, 45 which is a personal best Yeah, I think it puts him like in the top 5 all time 400 meter runner um, he he is incredible like, he is a specimen he's, a, he's part of this like I said the new generation of sprinter guys who've, who can run 10 seconds for the 100 meters and 19 seconds for the 200 so um, he is there uh, it's just whether he can sustain all the way through um, the the, U, the US system is a bit weird as well because they have their national champs in July but they people have to peak for July to make the team and then they have to re-peak again in September, it's kind of like well that's tough, like it, it fits the Diamond League circuit, like racing in July and peaking in July but the actual world champs is where it matters It's September, so British, British Athletics have uh, moved our national champs to so August end of August yeah, yeah. Which, which is, is a, late, it's a good but it's but, brilliant for, yeah. for us like, it, it makes sense because it's like well, we're going to pick the freshest uh, the, the guys who are mm. reaching peak at the right time of the season rather than later on somebody
0: who's here yeah, like come out smashed it and then uh, is maybe Peter enough towards yeah. that end of July August to think well what, yeah, I've, I've, I've trained my body for
1: years doing the, the September circuit <laughs> ready. <Like laughs> yeah. You eat, sleep, train, race, go wherever. You just, uh, you literally have your spikes, you turn up to a race and go. So I'm kind of prepared for it. Myself and Rabbi Yusuf will be more than ready for September because that's our normal time where we peak. <laughs> but um, it's going to be very interesting to see who can handle it. And Like for us, it's, uh, it's just about, it's uh, holding your nerve, I suppose, and waiting for the right time and trusting the yeah. process that you're in at the moment.
0: Yeah, that's the biggest thing, isn't it? I think you've got to have confidence in yourself, but also the work that you're putting in, even mm-hmm. if it does go wrong, or it's, it looks, like we were talking about earlier, like with the tightness, or you might have a few niggles here and there. You have to kind of bypass that and see all the work that you've put in. Yeah, Maybe years previous that oh. are still building blocks to this year to then really um, come out on top and, mm-hmm. and, and focus on, on your goals this year like it hasn't gone by the wayside just a little niggly injury it's like there's still time to put it right effectively
1: yeah what's cool. your best training session
0: best tra- what my favourite yeah obviously like bench enjoy. press naturally yeah Everyone loves bench. although like deadlift has probably almost surpassed it like I just I just love the fact that like because you can go really heavy on deadlift and pulling it from the floor it just makes you realise how small and weak you are. <laughs> because you How um, small man, and weak you yeah, are. Yeah. Like uh, the bench press for me, like it's it is it is the one. Obviously it's a universal language of strength. How strong you are, everyone and the first thing is, what can you bench man? Or <laughs> no one goes, Oh, what can you clean and jerk <laughs> or push press? It's always bench. It's a universal yep. language of strength. But we like and that's like the I just probably not sadistic, but I just love the compression element, like you got it in your hands, and then it's it's on top of you, and it's like you know, so like heavy coming down. Yeah, literally, it's, it feels like being pinned down, and then you've got to get it up. Yeah, it's not, it's like although obviously you've got people spotting you, but it's just that pressure element. Well, with deadlift, obviously it's just a natural thing to pick things up, mm-hmm. and when it's so heavy, it's like that's like it's starting to become my favorite. Okay, so what about you? Uh,
1: I enjoy lactic. Lactic is my my baby I think I uh, enjoy the pain we um, used to do uh, a session with Nick Dakin's group and it was 4.50 3.50 2.50 of 6 minutes yeah. and then you'd have a 10 minute break and then you'd go back up to 3.50 2.50 1.50. and that was my session that was my I'm going to make you all hurt today boys when, when if you're going to hang w- on to me you're going to have to you're going to die
0: everyone's waltzing around you and
1: you're there like uh, I loved it like I, I, I basically I basically Made sure that I came through. Um, I got through the first set, everything was on target. Um, we tried to hit like 12 second pace per 100 meters. So you might be running at like 48 second pace for 400. And so I tried to hold that, make sure that's fine on the first set. And the second set, I'd always make sure that no one had anything left on the last rep on the 150. So I'd always make sure that either the 350 or the 250, I spanked it. It's just pushing them. Oh, I made people hurt. <laughs> I wanted them to be in the same position as me when we came to that 150. That we had like a level playing field. No one was going to do a last le- last rep wonder kind of thing. And uh, yeah, it tended to work. It was, it was just hurt. There was lots of puking up. I, I'd, I'd always puke up after the first half of the set, the first set. So 450, 350, 250, spew my guts up, come back out, to the second set, and it was just a killer. But that for me is like 400 meter running. Um, I'm surprised
0: you didn't get the nickname like the crucifier. Crucifier, <laughs> the crucifier Rooney, putting people.
1: Uh, uh, it was uh, It was just one of those days, and those guys who were also like Nathan Woodward, the guy we trained with, he used to kill that session as well. So I loved it, and uh, um, it kind of sorted the the men from the boys, I suppose.
0: <laughs> the bearded men from the prepubescent boys. <laughs>
1: Now we want to talk about training specific to competition. When we get to the business end of the summer um, or autumn this year, uh, how our training changes, how it becomes more thorough or race specific. And um, what uh, are the mental challenges going into this type of season as well?
0: I think it massively is obviously it's the most important time and, like you have, you have to be in a good frame of mind, don't you? Yeah. Like, well, waking up. Like we talked about the state of play, um, the mood that you're in, any in your warm ups. But this time of year really is, you know, game faces on, and it's something I guess that you can't like really try to overthink and just try and make it like a natural occurrence. But mm-hmm. but you have to have a great plan in place and just just I don't know about about yourself, but. I always I've got a diary, so I write down everything I do and and everything that's coming up, and like, I go through my comp structure, put down my performances, even look at back maybe at past diaries just to even look see what I was doing, um, but try and then be when I turn up to training just try and be as clear. I know what I'm doing. Try and be as clear so everything then just flows. Yeah, um, whether that makes sense? No, of course. Um, so then there's there's no because I guess like yourself events are so technical but in completely different realms Mm -hmm. where I have to just try and flow as much as possible and with the discus it's about feeling it it's all about feeling the disc and as soon as you start to think technically which obviously is done in the winter that flow and the feel becomes more technical and more like bitty and bobby and a bit more robotic and that's when you lose massive distance you kind of need to just make it as as like synthetic and as smooth as possible for liftless. Wow. What a oh, word. And yeah. a an steel word. word That's <laughs> all <laughs> Copyright. Um but yeah, like, I mean like for me it's it is like such such an important time. I think you just have to be so prepared for it that mm. then yeah like you just go in there completely natural and um and for me like I, my training generally gears around competition, so major comp in November but but because we're in a UK season right now we'll be really looking to up the speed have more recovery so the load and and the volume of throws dramatically changes in the summer which automatically gives your body and your your cardiovascular system and your neuromuscular system more rest so that when we do turn up to comps We've almost had like a replication of what we're going to do, so it becomes more natural. So that's what what I'm trying to get. (laughs) Trying to get that is that it's just a natural movement. Um, Yeah. So how does it change the view? Because it's pretty similar.
1: So my the intensity of the sessions go up, but the recovery between the reps goes up as well. Okay. So say I race at 11 second pace per hundred meters, all my training sessions from when the season starts we'll stay at 11 second pace it will never drop I don't like to let it drop unless it's a recovery day and I'll drop back down there and I'll put trainers on and do the session in my flat trainers Um, but every time I put spikes on it has to be at the same rhythm it has to be at the same pace as I would in a 400 otherwise you kind of lose um, the the 400 is such a rhythm event you need like it's a feeling it has to be natural to you just so when you doing lose the same that training, cadence and everything yeah. and you just keep practicing that um, my recovery days become more frequent like I, I won't run every day during the winter I often run six days a week so during the summer it probably drops to like three or four max four days a week and you also have to factor in training, uh, travelling a lot of the comps I do will be in, in Europe on the circuit and you have to factor in a day of travelling there and day like straight day travelling back so you kind of move your sessions around so you don't have a huge session before you fly I don't really like flying it doesn't work for tall people not unless you buy pay for extra leg <laughs> yeah you pay for the exit rows and stuff and uh, it's all fine all, all well and good if you're earning good money <laughs> but uh, yeah you have to uh, adapt your week and when the intense sessions are to fit the session to uh, fit the competition uh, schedule um, and and everything just becomes more specific to what I'm doing like in the gym my, my load will drop it's more of a general maintenance kind of weights there'll be times where we'll factor in I uh, say say I've got like a three week block of training we'll have a, a heavy week loading there back in the gym and on the track but um, the intensity is, is focused on running quick in the 400 then it's not uh, my general maintenance stuff is there as a it's it's not there to make me stronger of more powerful, or whatever. It's there to make sure I don't get injured. Um, so it's about like having
0: less fluctuation, isn't it? Really, and just being a bit more a constant state. Um, so because yeah, our, our our load, um, our intensity increases and our load drops. Yeah. So like we would probably do a session of maybe six to ten throws, maybe twice. I don't know yeah. uh, in a session, but then have a gap between to replicate like comp. So you'd take on some water, have a little chat, replicate the time between throws that competitors would take and then go and do it. Obviously, you don't want to do... In certain cases, we have replicated, like, going out there, doing a warm-up, waiting 10 minutes, doing your first throw, wait 10 minutes. But that's, like, for... I think we did that for, like, for Beijing or Athens where we actually replicated a comp. But it just didn't really work for me because you just can't... You can't Different replicate, feeling, everything might change, like people might drop out, so then the time between, if you prepare for like a 10 minute wait and it's only a seven minute wait, or ver- there's so many variables that change, like you just have to be adaptable to that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what happens, you have to, in this state, you have to be mimic as much as you can, just without think overthinking like a situation.
1: I think um, the intensity of the competition is so much higher, and that's what Christian did very well he brought the same competition intensity to his sessions so they had little comps between the jumpers and if they if they were i don't know they had these markers and if they didn't hit a marker they got one diamond league point and they had a competition who'd win at the end and it was always like it took tight between christian and shara but that's how they replicated their training uh, for me uh I've, I've always found it harder to get up for a like every time I race in Loughborough, I don't really feel like I'm racing. I feel like I'm training um, because this is where I live and eat and sleep and train and all that. So it's just normal. Uh, whereas when I go abroad, it's like, oh, it's a different place, it's a different stimulus and stuff. Um, so my race pace stuff in Loughborough is never quick. But as soon as I go somewhere else, it's
0: like half a second quicker and more comfortable over. You just get that um, that little buzz of, okay, it's competition and yeah. it's different, different familiarities as well, isn't it? It's completely different. Just like being out of your comfort zone is always a good thing.
1: I think, Um, but yeah, competition training is. I think we both were pretty
0: specific to what we do in our sport, and uh, yeah, Yeah, I would say it's it's like a frequent occurrence. It's, I think you just have to be a little bit visual of like what kind of phase you're in, um, and just to make sure that the quality. And that's the thing. Like competition phase is just all about quality, isn't it? Yeah. Like delivering quality, numerous amounts of time over and over again. So you're getting a good sequence, and generally doesn't even take. Like sometimes I, like I walk out there, warm up, and um, I'm done. Dusted in like 20 minutes, and people are like, "Oh, you finished already?" But I've had my maybe six to ten throws that are of quality. Yeah. that I'll be happy with in the competition. So you're like, well. Like the consistency is there and everything's working. So there's no need to go and effectively flog a dead horse and be out there <laughs> for an hour, trying to, you know, trying to do things that, or, or go, oh, you're in a great, throwing great and, or running great. And you just have to go, oh, keep doing it, keep doing it because I'm no in a good rhythm. It's not about that. At that point yeah. in time, you need to be fresh and make sure you recover well.
1: So it's the quality in the
0: recovery? I'd say massively. Yeah. Like I, I've seen people, that are in great great vein of form by throwing jumping and running at Lovebred. that automatically then think they should train harder because they're in, a, in great yeah, shape yeah they don't need to Yeah, and they don't need to no. what's your best recovery plan best recovery plan
1: post heavy session you've done your your huge bench and massive deadlift and you've thrown
0: 100 throws in a session what do you do want to go and see Pora sing you go see big Pora <laughs> yeah Pora is a great he's an ostia he's a, he's a magician and I guess for for ourselves like for me he's he's such a big guy that he can he can crack backs and he can realign me and makes me makes my body feel like good about itself again. Yeah. Um combination of him and dairy, dairy suda. Yeah, him and dairy. Like dairy's very f- more functional. Um it's very, very, so he very, like, very active in his He up.
1: mobilizes the
0: joints, doesn't he, and then pour and it, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like I see Shane. Shane's great at getting deep tissue, deep soft tissue work done um, at British Athletics, and I think like most people overlook like tissue work um, as a form of recovery. But yeah. um, like for me, and I know you, it's an essential part of warm up and recovery. Yeah, it's about
1: flushing the muscle. It's about putting everything back in the right place so that you can come back and do this session again the next day. There's obviously that's hands-on therapy, but we yeah. have a uh, more
0: some more science based stuff, so like cryotherapy. Yeah. Um not it's a shame we don't get that enough, isn't it? Like we we get it sometimes through the summer, but
1: That's amazing. It's love uh, it
0: Loughborough, if somebody fancies opening a
1: cryotherapy unit, I will be there once a week at least. And uh basically if, if nobody's seen a cryotherapy set up before, you you go into either a room or uh, a small kind of cylinder. And within that room or cylinder, the temperature is minus 160, 157,
0: 160, something.
1: And you're in there for a short amount of time and your body, all the blood in your body basically, it rushes to your core to protect all your...
0: Yeah, all your your vital organs, basically it goes from every every nook and cranny in your body to protect obviously your vital organs, like your heart, your lungs, your brain, um, and it goes... It go, for those short moments in time. It goes into survival mode, and yeah. um, but I think the majority of the science is because it's like a blast chiller, and it properly blasts you mm. with cold, that um, your blood vessels and your capillaries open massively, and yeah. your body and your muscles then can um, store um, more red and white blood cells, mm-hmm. which then effectively is what you need for them to recover quicker. As you get out, then so like you're, you're cold yeah you're very cold
1: and you, you wear gloves and you wear a hat and stuff like that um, but as you get out you feel this like flush of blood rushing around your body and going back to all that and it heats you up instantly Like so for being like so cold at minus 160 you literally feel like you're on a you can walk around I've done it in Loughborough I've been out in the car park and I've been standing there in my, in my cacks just like sweating like so hot because you've just been at minus 160 and then all of a sudden you come out and it's like the flush um, and it's something you can repeat. It's something that can be done. Um, you can do it. You literally have a little break and go back in again. Uh, whereas it, when you have an ice bath, which is obviously a great way of recovering, you, you're cold all day, aren't you?
0: Yeah it take it, it takes a long time for then. Obviously, specifically legs and maybe lower back if you're that brave. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like that's a deeper it's a deeper cold that. Yeah, you have to have a hot shower. Have you ever done contrasting? Yeah, I do a lot you of contrast, lot of basically because I can't handle the cold all day. <laughs> um, yeah, so you jump in a hot shower, a hot bath afterwards, and yeah. that's when you get proper tingles because all the blood then exactly, is effectively exactly the same as a cryo chamber. The blood comes rushing back in. Yeah, I just don't find it as effective. I think it's uh, it's um,
1: the full body thing that you get in the cryo. is just, I love it. It's something that um, definitely helped me. Um, Rainer Ryder brought it to Loughborough. Had one of the units come in, and when we were in Amsterdam uh, for the European Championships, only his group was allowed to use the cryotherapy in the stadium. Like he basically set up a deal with the with um, the company that was at the Amsterdam stadium. It happened. It helped that he coached Daphne Shippers and Sharandi Martina, who were like the, the darlings of Dutch the faces, uh, of athletics. The Europa- Europeans something. So uh, it helped that, that he had that pull power. And I was myself and Nanica and Nora the only uh, Brits who were allowed to go and use it but it definitely helped. I had a massive advantage over everybody else because I was able to recover better and it's um, it meant that I came back from my my heat in my semi-final and I was ready for the final compared to guys who'd run a little bit, maybe not even as quick as I'd run in the semi-final. I don't think I ran the quickest in the semi-final but I was definitely the freshest in the final. And Obviously uh, paid as well, mate. Paid off, yeah. Yeah. Got another, another gold. Getting the win. Get that gold. Um, so I definitely think that's something that we could... Uh, I'd advise people to try I think general public I think it's, it's part of the National yeah. Health Service in Poland isn't it?
0: Yeah It's part yeah. of their
1: normal um,
0: Yeah in, on the, in the Scandinavian countries obviously they, um, the saunas are a big big part yeah. of their lifestyle but they're, they're actually getting cryo chambers now and yeah. um, they're using that as part of rehabilitation or um, huh. to aid people you know after operations or injuries and everything which is yeah it's, it's a, a fantastic idea definitely something um,
1: to try a uh, sauna is obviously another good thing as well um, you don't have to get
0: naked so <laughs> one thing depends I did, where you are one thing I did this is pre pre-competitions which um, Michael Johnson the S&C coach at Loughborough um, he implemented and it was to have a hot shower apparently there's research with core body temperature yep um, so raised core body temperature um, can reduce obviously the risk of injury mm-hmm. but also um, can like you can, I think it, I've forgotten which a drop in 10% body temperature is probably a drop in 15% performance. So wow. I'm saying it's pretty so I'd sit in the disabled changing rooms that's got a shower. Yeah, um, I'd sit on the seat and just let the hot water run on me mm-hmm. 15 minutes to wow. raise my core body temperature. Um, and then, and this was 15 minutes before I'd compete, and it was only a small comp in Loughborough. But the intensity of the heat and then obviously doing my warm-up and being globally hot. Mm. I threw quite well that year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was just something we were trying out. Um, and, and he said you could do it for recovery, but this was pre-comp, um, just primarily because the drop-off in temperature um, affected affected your performance levels. So it's like warm weather training. Yeah. Which we talked about in episode two. <laughs> Wet warm weather training. Wet warm weather <laughs> <laughs> training.
1: Um, so yeah, that's uh I suppose we've covered everything. I suppose diet as well. You need to make sure you eat well after your session. Yeah. I think uh, quickly we'd say like
0: yeah, post recovery sessions are I mean, for me in the gym, got to get the oh, well, for both of us, like got to get the proteins and the uh, why well, take creatine to try and, and, you know, enable the muscle fibers to recover as quickly as possible. Mm. Hydrate. Drink lots of water. And then on your big sessions, does like, does your diet change in the winter compared to the summer? eat loads to eat loads i right, pile it in i remember um
1: mcdonald's used to be kind of a regular like after our first couple of lactic sessions as a group we used to go and wander off to mcdonald's and fall asleep in the corner but eating our hamburgers <laughs> in, in mcdonald's it was uh, it was basically just replenish if anything as much quickly as possible and uh, yeah you kind of feel like you deserve it after those horrible sessions you got to have some luxuries haven't we yeah that's it that's it
0: so I suppose that's it, everything in training. Um, I think yeah. we've covered quite a lot there. Yeah, hopefully you found that an, an insightful insight to not only our daily lives, but just really how our years pan out and, and what we go through and, and how we have to think um, in various different states, maybe through um, preparing yeah. for comps or preparing for winter or um, post injuries. Um, oh, I wait. find it interesting learning about the stuff that you do, mate. it's. I just love hearing about when you do big bench sessions it
1: sounds absolutely (laughs) horrific
0: it is yeah it it is kind of like a weird sensation to be to try and be wanting to be squashed by a weight but it's just that okay all right. I've really got to get this up otherwise it's going to crush me and my ribs
1: (laughs) this is the difference between being an elite athlete and uh, and also ran it's kind of like that level to push yourself to the next level and that's what we do in our training sessions and it's
0: trying to push us to the to the brink of our abilities yeah you've got to I think you've, you've got to have a great imagination and imagine yourself better than you are to mm-hmm. then push yourself to be that good Yeah, you've always got to have a, a high self esteem to to really think that I can do this I can achieve it and set yourself kind of on the borderline of unrealistic goals that you really want to achieve yeah. and I think as long as you've got that determination like anything's possible you can do it Wow, that was kind of motivational. <laughs> yeah, I just went to
1: bite his freaking head off, little Nikki. Um, anyway, so guys, thank you very much for listening. Um, I hope you found that as informative as we did. And you can like and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify that Rooney uh, that Greaves and Rooney Sports Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at
0: Martin Rooney and at uh, Dan Greaves. Um, yeah, thanks for listening to it's the not the Dan th- Greaves oh shit it's at Discus Dan I got the podcast name
1: wrong you got your own Instagram name wrong
0: (laughs) don't don't follow Dan Greaves he's an imposter
1: (laughs) (laughs) so at Discus Dan at Martin Rooney send us uh, any comments and advice or questions that you want us to talk about and uh,
0: we'll try and get it on and I think in the next couple of weeks we're going to get some guests on yeah um, we're going to mix it up obviously we've got lots of stories and trying to give you an insight into our lives and our training and, and everything else but it would be really interesting to get some to get a third wheel involved and, uh, and actually someone listen. with some actual knowledge yeah or <laughs> someone someone with better stories than ours but we will get guests on um, we've got a couple lined up I think which will be good fun um, so we'll let you know soon thanks again guys cheers thanks for listening